now. Three, two, one, go! What's up, everybody? This is episode 94 of Cooldown Time. In this episode, we'll discuss all the controversial game cancellations happening at EA and Microsoft, plus the futures of E3 and 343, and the 10 games we loved until we didn't. So, let's introduce your two-man panel for the show. I'm your graphically impressive host, Marco. Joining me, as always, is the technical mess of the show, Pablo. Pablo, how you been, man? I've been good. Uh, busy day already. It's uh, pretty early, but got a lot done this morning. A lot of things happening, changes coming. Mm. Not necessarily for the show, but more or less personal. But uh, everything's going good, man. About to dive into February uh, with the craziness that it is. Which it, that's, I never in my life had said that. Can't wait for February, which is the, <laughs> the month that all the great games come out. I mean, because it, it happened last year. That's uh, true, and it's and it's happening this year now. So February yeah. is like the new November. Almost. I think, yeah, I think we're past the point of a lot of people like avoiding certain months of the year now. Like the calendar is so stacked now that you have to take whatever pocket of time you can get that doesn't have yeah. some massive game getting in your way. Uh, so yeah. I think those days are over where people just avoid but, certain times of the year. But even so, when you look at kind of the first half versus the second half, usually by now we would have an idea of. You know, we're going to get this in the second half, but there's not really much in the second half besides Spider-Man 2 so far. So mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah. And February is the official kickoff. No doubt. Crazy my birthday, town. My birthday's in February, though, so I, I tend to look forward to that month for other reasons, you know. Um, yeah, I'm not yeah, looking yeah. forward to being older, but it is what it is. Uh, I've been doing great. Thanks for asking, Pablo, as always. Well, I- Appreciate it. Um, now Never you just, give me the chance. What a guy. I was going to uh, say something about... Your birthday, but I don't want to say the date just in case you were being all private about it. Yeah, I don't. I don't want the government coming and finding me on this show. Man. <laughs> but uh, I'm doing great. I had this work summit that I had to go to for most of the week, and uh, my God, you know, um, if you work in a corporate environment, the the terminology can get so annoying. Um, it's all percentages and driving revenue, driving conversion, driving. Why is everybody driving? Sit your ass down. <laughs> Okay. Can I Uber to the revenue? Oh my street? god! Yeah. I'm so tired of all the terms and acronyms for everything, and you know, oh my god, man. So I, my my brain is a little mush from all that. So I'm actually I feel you really looking forward to talking about video games and getting my mind off of all the the data, um, as it were. So speaking of which, we have a great show lined up this week. A lot of interesting news stories to talk about. Uh, some stuff that I think is going to have some pretty Really unique ramifications on the year ahead and even beyond. Um, so I'm very excited to get into this. Uh, and if all of you like the sound of what we have to offer this week, uh, give our show a sub if you haven't already. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even our own official website at cooldowntime.com. And if you're feeling extra cool, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Hive at its cooldown time to keep us in your FOV in between episodes. Pablo, with that out of the way, let's jump into the first segment of the show devoted to the games we've been playing since y'all last heard from us that we call loadouts. All systems nominal. Loadouts ready. All right, so a little bit of continuity here from last week uh, where we talked about the the same couple of games, but I think it'd be cool to circle back. 
Pablo, and talk about our, our latest thoughts and feelings after playing more uh, of these games. And that is uh, Dead Space and Hi-Fi Rush. Um, I think we, you know, I think we should maybe talk about Hi-Fi Rush first since we both finished it uh, and, and, and provide some closing thoughts. Um, I, um, I got to say, I think that the last half of the game to me was really good. Um, I think that my only my only gripe was I wish there were more boss fights, um, you know, scattered in between, and it wasn't just the the uh, the head honchos from that that corporation all the time, um, like more mini bosses and things like that, and maybe a little bit more licensed music as well. But other than that, I mean, that those are really small nitpicks. I thought that the game wrapped up really nicely. I think the story came together in a way that I really liked, where everybody sort of banded banded together. Um, and it felt really good. It was just a really good, wholesome story with a good gameplay loop. And I got to say, I just, I walked away pretty satisfied with this one, but, uh, how did you feel? Yeah, no, same. And I think the reasons why we want more, uh, boss fights and, and, and more of the licensed music is because of how they used it, how well they used it, mm-hmm. uh, and how, how much that really like added to the game. No, man, I think last week we said that we have to always wait and give the game a little time to breathe before we start talking about it, like a potential game of the year, uh, game. But I have to say, I, 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 Marco touched upon this last week when he said that he doesn't foresee a game doing what Hi-Fi Rush does. Uh, and I, and I agree. And I, and I think because of that, this is going to be a game that I think we'll have in conversations when it comes to the end of the year uh, talks because it is such such a solid game uh it's it, it's it's just it's a joy to play i i think i i loved pretty much every aspect i think my gripes uh are are some of the lead-ups to the to the bosses a lot of rooms with with um with yeah. enemies yeah, a lot of padding true. there was a little too much padding for my liking but uh the the boss fights were so incredible and so kind of like diverse that i was just looking forward to get into that specifically the mimosa boss fight which i mean that one was awesome that uh, whole thing was hilarious to me i yeah. the the michael jackson scene when yeah. he jumps up yeah. on stage like the super bowl show from way back yeah. oh my god and, he just, I, and he's breathing and he's breathing like michael too when you look the at the same his, his pose stomach, yeah. oh my I cracked up for for several minutes and I, y'all know, I don't play a lot of games for laughs and shits and giggles, but this was hysterical. Uh, so yeah, that boss fight was probably my favorite for that reason. And I just liked the fight itself too. It was really fun. And the, the Xeno, the Xeno gears call out, uh, when they, they talk about, uh, at the end where they're kind of sitting down and they're having almost, it looks like a play where they're talking about going to the, to the, to the rocket where it shoots them to the office. That's like a Xeno gears. Yeah, so there's a part in Zeno Gears where I guess budgetary reasons uh, they talked about they're talking about uh, what they're gonna do next, but you never play through that. Uh, and that that's a, there's a part in in Hi-Fi Rush where uh, they do uh, they do the same thing. Am I saying the right game? Zeno no, Gears. I, I, I don't sure. think you are. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Is it not Zeno Gears? Zeno Blade. What are you saying here? No, not Zeno Blade. It's Zeno Gears. I think. Anyway, uh, let, let me look that up. Huh? Uh, uh, I thought it was, yeah, it's Zeno Gears. Yeah, you played so Zeno Gears. <laughs> What's going on? No, 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 no. There's, there's a reference to Zeno Gears where uh, really? it's like a famous, it's a famous Zeno Gears thing where, for budgetary reasons, they talk about what they're doing next, 
in 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 the game, and then Hi-Fi Rush has that moment where he's sitting on the couch, and then there's a little thing that's hanging with the, the his uh, MP3 players hanging, and they go, "The plan was crazy," and they're like talking to each other, like I couldn't I'm even super understand. Lost. I have no idea what you're <clears throat> talking about at all. Uh, no, Xenogears look- reference is wild for you. <laughs> like you don't play JRPGs like that. I know, but it's on. It was on Hi-Fi Rush. Like they they use that. They use that, and he called. Okay. He even talked to the. Um, he even talked to the director of Xeno Gears to try to get permission to to do it. That's uh, weird. But I didn't know that. Yeah, that's funny. But anyway, uh, it's it's it, it's just little things like that. Where I the reason I bring it up is just the love for the craft and and just the little Easter eggs and everything in there. They really jam packed this entire game with all those little kind of like fun details. If you catch it, you catch it. If you don't, it's not a big deal. But I, I, I loved it, man. It was is one hell of an experience. Uh, and I think this is really cool little game in Xbox's library where they can start, you know, really uh, building on this as the the promise of the first party games to have released. You know, high being Hi Fi Rush being the first one. Let's see how you know everything else starts panning out. We got Redfall coming and we got Starfield, so mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty. It's it, it, it's 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 a pretty good time here for uh, for Bethesda right now with this game. Came out of yeah. nowhere, mm-hmm. no pressure. Yeah, so it's good stuff. All right. Also, we've been playing some Dead Space, Pablo. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, as I said last week, this is my first real go at it for Dead Space. Um, I think I'm at Chapter 7 right now. I don't know how close I am to finishing the game. I don't necessarily want to know, uh, since this is still very new to me. But I, I think that... Um, the one thing that's kind of stuck out to me a little bit now uh, is some of the storytelling elements, I think, um, and again, I have no point of reference for what the original game did, but um, not as exciting of a story as I was hoping for. Um, it feels very much, I get why people kind of had that whole Aaron Boy sort of thing with, with Isaac and how he's using the game. Um, him talking, I guess, I suppose makes it feel a little bit more, you know, interactive, but it does feel like go do the four things that lets us do the the other thing and then go do this thing eight times and then come back and then we can move along. Um, I think that formula does feel a little old to me. And um, I'm assuming that's carry over from the original game, which is fine, but I think those those types of things are a little a little uh, disappointing, I guess, because I wanted something maybe a little bit more modernized and not, um, you know, go do this five times type of thing. But that's not a huge deal breaker, though. I'm still enjoying the game a lot. The patch came out, which uh, fixed all of the weird pixelation issues from VRS. Um, and I think that's made a huge difference in the presentation of the game, very much so. Um, so I'm I'm really loving the game a lot, despite some of those little things that the game still does that feels a bit uh, old and, and archaic, aging. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, you don't have to check that right now. It's no big deal. It's the uh, Dino Gears Hi-Fi Rush thing. This man is really trying I... to get receipts for me <clears throat> here. He's right. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> what the f? Yeah, because I was like, because I was oh, like, wait, what's going on here? But anyway, um. No, that Marco, if you, believe it or not, it was actually worse in the original because Isaac didn't talk, so he was just 
things were being told to, to him and he was just doing them. Like mm-hmm. there was like no, no really f- no good form of conversation or flow to kind of con- interconnect it. So why I- Isaac wasn't saying a goddamn thing. It was just being sent like an Android to go fix this and fix that. Oh, communicate here, make sure the tram is working over there. Uh, but you know, with the context, I guess me, me having the context of playing dead space uh, and-, and really enjoying it and playing the remake now, uh, it's it, it, it's an improvement from what we had. The open endness of it, like the fact that it, it's like it was always kind of described as some for, some a uh, form of Metroidvania. It's like that a lot more now because before, once you get in that tram and you go into the next section of the ship, you're pretty much done with that first section. You might go back for something, but really, it was you're pretty much done. So the the fact that um that you have the ability to go back and forth, uh, it opens itself up and lends itself up to more of that Metroidvania-esque feeling because now you have this key card, you can go back and 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 and, and, and any level two stuff that you might not have been able to open, you can go ahead and open now. So that stuff is, is works really well and kind of adds an element to the game that really wasn't there. Uh, but I think Dead Space just continues to, to, to hammer home the, the reason why there aren't a bunch of these games or a bunch of these games that do it successfully. It's ex- extremely difficult to pull off. You got gameplay, story, ambiance, music characters, enemy design, all that has to come together to give you the experience that Dead Space gives you. And a lot of people try and fail in many different ways. Uh, but, you know, I, I really I really think that this remake, that what they do with it is, isn't what Final Fantasy VII does, which it's more of a reimagination. But if you're going to remake a game without taking the Final Fantasy VII rope, this is the way you want to do it because it's it's not just going to be a graphical upgrade, which is nice, but the fact that you add contextual elements for the story, in addition to that, the way you open the game up, it just feels a lot more different. In fact, it feels more like Dead Space Two, which I feel is the better game. Uh, they all the lessons they learned with two, they implemented it into one, and they really just for me, it, it's the more I play the game, the more. I'm getting out of it, and the more different it feels, there's certain aspects like with Nicole, your uh, Isaac's girlfriend. She's been a lot more fleshed out. There are these scenes where you could go into her office, and 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 they play out like a scenario as to the conversation they had. That wasn't in the original game, so no. those little story bits are 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 being fleshed out more instead of of Nicole being a, a damsel in distress, the Zelda or Peach. She's a much more uh, active member in terms of what happened in the ship and how she was trying to stop it uh, and so on and so forth. So I, I, um, I really enjoy everything they're doing here. I think it's, it's one hell of a game made better by the remake. Uh, and that's, that's all you can ask for. If you yeah. make a remake, it's not just one for one. You're actually improving on it. I, I think that's, it's super great. It's so good. It's, it's, it's ridiculous how much I'm enjoying uh, this game, even though it's a game that I played countless times, the original one anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, sure. I'm glad to hear that, especially from you uh, and a lot of other people too who obviously played it. You know, it doesn't feel like well, it's just that, but nicer looking. But you can still kind of extract some some new enjoyment out of it, which is really awesome. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really really uh, in love with this game, and uh, you know, again, as somebody that couldn't get into Dead Space originally. Uh, that's really exciting for me. Um, th- the only thing, like I said, is I think some of the storytelling is a little bit not what I was hoping for. Um, and I, I think, and I've said it on the show in the past, like sci-fi horror to me has never been something I particularly like um, or get into very much. And that's beyond gaming. That's film. That's TV. Just not something I'm really big into. 
Um, but I, I still think that besides that, and I will say this too, I don't find the game particularly scary. Uh, and, and that could, that could just be me. I'm, I'm very callous when it comes to horror games. I know I can tell when things are going to happen. I know when certain sounds they, they create in that game, I think they do it on purpose to make it sound shrieking or like really spooky. Um, you know, so like even when like transmissions come in for the radio, it sounds like, like a fucking animal is about to attack you, but it's just, it's just static. You know what I mean? So I, I, I know what they're doing there. And so I don't find myself, you know, constantly like you know um taken aback in in fear or anything it's it it, but it is a really smartly designed thing um i don't know how much of that director stuff that is is involved in this game either they talked a lot about the ai director thing i don't feel a lot of that right now uh maybe if i play through it again which i actually intend to i'll get a different kind of uh a different kind of experience so i i i've played the original a lot but not enough to tell you if these uh the the enemy types of the bad guys are coming from the same places from the original i don't know if 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 like there's a element of you have this many bullets so you're getting these many enemies i don't know if there's any of that going on though that was was insinuated when they talked about the horror director but i will say i agree but i've always felt that way about dead space i kind of feel that way about dead space the way i feel about resident evil 2 remake where or resident evil 2 period where i don't find that game to be particularly scary uh, but it's all about the ambiance, especially when Mr. X, you, you kind of figure out some things about Mr. X. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, yeah. But what else did you have? Anything else that you want to? No, I think the only thing I was going to say was like, uh, I also redownloaded, um, the Callisto protocol again. Cause I, now that I have that point of reference with dead space, now I'm kind of more curious about what is different between the two. Um, and I, I think my original theory was correct. I think that there is a space for both of those games to exist, even though they're, you know, obviously one is, is the spiritual successor or air quotes for that, uh, for the other. I think that they both do something unique where one is very melee focused and one is very weapon focused. And I, I kind of like both for, you know, different reasons. Um, I, I wish, I still wish last year people didn't pit the two against each other so so harshly because i think that maybe people would have been a little bit more understanding of the vision for the callisto protocol but i can see obviously if i had to compare the two i can obviously tell that dead space is vastly superior to it i just think that maybe that the 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 uh, the inevitable comparisons people thought that were inevitable i don't think that it was really necessary and i still stand by that I would even say that, uh, in my mind, Callisto Protocol is still the better-looking game, even more than the remake itself, especially with character oh, design. Oh, it definitely and is. Yeah, that, yeah, I, so that, that was no immediately that. like, oh, yeah, this still looks way better. Yeah, and I, I think the sound design is a little bit better, too. Yeah, and, I, and look, with Callisto, and that's one thing I brought up, but I said, you know, these games are hard to be to, to pull off because all these things have to come together. And I think there are certain things about, like, the story in Callisto and maybe yeah. some some repetition here and there that just doesn't, that kind of fall, falter a little bit. And I don't know, I, there, I listened to a podcast and they were talking a little bit about this as well, is, like, the uniqueness of Dead Space. But when they go back and they read old Dead Space reviews, the reviews were all like, oh, we get it. This is just, um, this is just uh, Resident Evil in space. So, you know, I think time always gives gives uh gives you a little bit more of a mm-hmm. better frame as to what exactly they were trying to do because th- i don't feel like dead space now is anything like resident evil other than it's a survival horror game right. uh but, very different otherwise you know, yeah it's because that would be just it's a reductive take to begin with but yeah man mm-hmm. i i i i enjoy, i love this as much i'll be and i'll be honest with you 
I think uh, because I had less experience with Resident Evil 2 that I like Resident Evil 2 better, the remake, because it's it's more of a newer experience. Yep. But in my mind, they're, these two are very close together in terms of like some of the best remakes uh, to, to ever have uh, been created. And that's probably not going to stand for much longer because it looks like Resident Evil 4 remake is going crazy. So, <laughs> <laughs> And that's a game. That, and, and I'm interested to see that because that's a game that I played a lot more. Uh, than I did Resident Evil 2 growing yeah. up. So yeah, I think, I think a lot of people would probably that. agree there. But uh, yeah, but I yeah. think the Dead Space remake versus Resident Evil 4 remake conversations are going to hike up big time uh, when that drops yeah. in March. So that would be fun. That'd be fun to talk about. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is going to do it for loadouts this week, Pablo. I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we should have some interesting stuff to hopefully talk about next week. But that's kind of where we're at so far. Um, so let's go ahead and move on the news segment of the show that we call Hit Points. For breaking news, rumors, and booty juice, it's time for Hit Points. All right, so we have five Hit Point news items this week to talk about, and these are all pretty interesting in their own way. Pablo, uh, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to you first to give us the latest on the state of Halo, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, <coughs> sorry. I, last week we talked a little bit about Halo and, and and what's happening. A lot of it was conjecture. A lot of it was kind of rumored, but it looks like we got a little more clarification here. Because according to to Jason Schreier, three for three industries will still make Halo games with massive layoffs. At least ninety five uh, people have been let go so far. An engine pivot to Unreal and focus only on multiplayer for the near future. Three for three is hitting the reset button. Uh, Jason also goes on uh, goes on to allude that Project Tatanka has shifted from a Battle Royale expansion to possibly something more, perhaps even the next Halo game, uh, or at least it'll be kind of talked about in that way. Mm. Uh, With multiplayer now being the main focus on Halo, uh, and a single player seemingly put on hold for now, how do we feel about the potential changes? Uh, Is this the way Xbox and 343 breathe life again into Halo? Or is this just kind of one of those things that's too little, uh, too late? I don't think this breathes life into Halo. Uh, personally, I think a big key factor of what makes Halo so special is its single player, um, and the the ability to tell a story of, of Master Chief and, and Cortana, you know, throughout the years. That's that's pivotal stuff. Um, Halo is much more than just being a multiplayer game, and um, the fact that that part of what makes Halo Halo is being suppressed or held back or put on hold, whatever whatever you want to throw there, I don't think that's the solution to breathing life back into Halo again. I, I think, if anything, it, it just kind of adds to the problem because now you're putting all your eggs in the multiplayer basket, which clearly has not been working in your favor for the last, you know, ever since the Halo Infinite launched, so... I, I don't know how smart that is. If anything, I would be running to making a single-player project because that's what seems to be going over better than the multiplayer stuff you got going on. So I think, again, it's it seems like things are still very out of sorts over at 343, and, and, and uh, I would imagine, you know, upper leadership at, at Microsoft and Xbox and Phil Spencer included are probably a part of these conversations, I would imagine, at this point, because so much of it is just really, really in bad shape. So I think um I think for Halo to thrive, I think they have to they have to get single player back on the table again. Um I, I think until you can figure out a way to have a stable, feature complete, uh multiplayer with true longevity, um I think you have to go with what works 
for Halo. And arguably the best part of Halo Infinite to me that had the least caveats, um, while not perfect, was its campaign. Um, everything else, I think, is secondary and tertiary at this point, in my opinion. But yeah, um, that's kind of my thought process. But where are you I, at with this? One hundred percent. That literally, that that was my entire take. Was like you're punishing the single player aspect, which is probably the best thing that had Infinite had going for itself. Uh, it, it wasn't very good in five, but every time it's been it's been spot on. It's been one of these experiences where I. I, I Halo is the rare game that I think people talk about the single player as much as they talk about the multiplayer. Sure, the multiplayer sticks around longer because that's just the nature of multiplayer. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, it's it's it's. I, I think they both go hand in hand. I, I don't think you can have a Halo game without multiplayer, and I don't think you should have a Halo game without single player because of of, of like you said, all the storytelling aspects of it, all the world building that they've put into their novels and everything, dedicated themselves to telling a story in the Halo world, and now you're just gonna throw that away because you're desperate because you fucked up to begin with. It, it's just seems like 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 they're trying to make the best decision possible that's going to yield the most money and we all know when you're doing something creative uh like uh like a movie a book a game and you're working for the money of it you're not you're probably not gonna put out your best work because you're really focused on the on the numbers aspect and you have these equations and plans and everything that all equate to money and not really the creative freedom of giving us more of what we like about halo so yeah i think that it's uh i think it's absolutely absurd I, I i've seen some halo fans and people xbox pundits actually say that what they would rather see is a complete pause on halo like do what you got to do with tatanka battle royale whatever it is but then go away for a couple of years and then come back you know i i think that's the best way about it i don't think you, you want to put too much manpower into something that already has a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths so then two years from now release a brand new halo game and people are like that ah, fuck halo like you want to you want to be able to to kind of give people uh, you know the the ability and the time to 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 forget this and then at the very least uh get people thirsty enough to where they want to give it another opportunity so yeah i definitely agree man yeah, I think my only my only argument against some of that logic is that um, this is not a, a, a fresh wound, you know, like this is um, like over a decade of 343 yeah. industry bungling this this franchise. So it's not easy to forget when every right. game has come out with some kind of asterisk next to it for having some type of critical problem, either with its writing or its marketing or, uh, you know, bugs or issues or, or just poor management. Yeah. So it's it's hard to shake the stigma of Halo Infinite, but I That's think true. it goes beyond that and at this five. point. Yeah, yeah, I think it's hard to shake what Five did, and then people were willing to give Infinite a chance. And Master I think Chief more, Collection I, being broken for years. Yeah, when it came out. Yeah, I think more or less. I think more what I'm I meant by that is get people curious enough to where they were are willing to put their hurt aside for <laughs> just a little while to perhaps give them an opening to to try again. Right. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily forget because you shouldn't forget. You should have that fresh in your mind when you're playing the next Halo game just to remember, you know, what it was. And, and if it's the, if this new item is the same thing or if we finally have moved on and figured Halo out uh, all these years, because it kind of happened with, with, with Gears, with Gears, um, 
in judgment. You know, nobody liked that game too much and then went away for a while. And then four came out. People were willing to give it a chance. And four and five have been absolutely bangers. So, but yeah, um, let's move on here because there's some more weird news on the horizon here. Because uh, I, I have a question for you, Marco. What is going on over at EA on the heels of releasing the critically acclaimed Dead Space, which we talked about already today? Uh, EA has decided to give the people over at Respawn a little more time on Jedi Survivor, which is just a good sign that EA is seemingly doing right by their devs and giving them the time to polish the game rather than just kind of uh, push it out. But in a bizarre turn of events, EA has canceled an Apex Apex Legends mobile uh, less than a year uh, from its initial release. Apex Legends mobile game generated $20 million its first two months and had won many better best mobile uh, game awards throughout the year. Uh, but not to be outdone, EA then managed to baffle even more people when it <laughs> quietly canceled a Titanfall Apex Legends single-player game codenamed Titanfall Legends. Uh, fans have been clamoring us included, for the next entry in Titanfall. And if the only way you can get a Titanfall entry is by mixing it up with Apex and it's still being a single-player game, I would have taken that without problem, especially when you're, you're seeing what that game was supposed to be. It's what we always wanted. So what what's happening? Is EA kind of avoiding layoffs or or kind of preparing for the worst? What, what about... Why is EA just making these seemingly erratic decisions uh, throughout uh, the year so far? Yeah, so I think there's a few things going on here. Um, I think that layoff risk is is potentially one of them. I think the bigger thing, and this will lead into the story we'll cover after this one, is that um, these companies are starting to really, really lock in uh, when it comes to making sure that their projects are, um, their, their pipeline is as focused as possible, right? Um, I think... Layoffs are probably inevitable at EA because it's EA. I also think that they are, there's got to be some kind of data that they saw with uh, Apex Legends Mobile. Um, maybe it is profitable, but maybe it isn't enough profitability. I don't know. It's hard to know without knowing like the percentages and data uh, of, of what exactly is going on. But I think holistically, the industry is taking a turn where... If, if single-player stuff, and this leads into the Titanfall stuff, if single-player content is not profitable, people will cut that shit. And it's frustrating because in the same vein of what we just talked about with Halo, I think part of the reason why single-player got you know cut out of the equation is because, well, there's just not enough dollars you can put, you can get out of it like you, know, you can out of multiplayer, like you said. And I think this is kind of a similar thing. I think EA, if I had to speculate, they looked at Apex and they said, this is doing fine as is. We really don't need to pump in a campaign for anything right now for it to continue to be in that big three of, of Royale games. I think, you know, let's just let's just funnel our efforts into, you know, making the Royale even better. And maybe that's the game plan. Um, and I think that's I get it. But I also I am tired of seeing uh, single player content kind of get cut to make room for that kind of thing because, you know, um, I think it's value in it. And, um, and I don't think that's just an old school mentality. I think that is, you know, as we've seen with, you know, God of War Ragnarok, for instance, winning, you know, umpteen awards last year, there's still a space for single player gaming. And if, and if, if it's 11 million, exactly. Units. That's exactly where so, I was so. going next. 11 million units, right? That tells you that if you make a good single-player game, it will sell. 
you know, and you don't, it's not just about bundles. People are trying to, oh, you know, Ragnarok's only selling because it was bundled. That's not, that's, that's not true. Um, so there is profitability, uh, profit potential for single player games. But I think these companies are so risk averse right now because of, you know, labor and manpower problems and stuff like that, that everyone is just trying to go as safe and conservative as possible and go with what they think are the easy wins when really in reality, they're not. I mean, we just found out knockout cities getting, you know, sunsetted, which I think Rumbleverse. Yeah. Rumbleverse is getting sunsetted. So, you know, like how, how smart is this really? Like, I'm not saying that apex legend is going to get, you know, sunsetted. It's not going anywhere, but I'm just saying that in principle, um, Going multiplayer first is not always the safest bet. Sometimes single player yeah, is actually I mean, the safer bet. Yeah, I mean, sure, the longevity, the tail behind it, I get it. It might not be there, but I, let's let's not forget Avengers is, is being sunsetted. Right. Back for Blood recently also just announced that it's no making no more content. It's not being supported anymore. Knockout City. Um, yeah, the list uh, goes on and on. I mean, it's insane. It goes on and on. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, at this point, I, I thought, maybe this would make sense even with marketing like you're you're marketing apex legends you know because the whole conceit of the game was apex legends were going to show up in the titan world and give you these power-ups like it was going to be you know that kind of single player a game where it's, uh, they said it was inspired by uh doom and you know all the stuff that you want to hear when it comes to first person shooter but you know i, I digress i i it, it is a business decision sure but i just wish that they i just wish that it wasn't the case, um, and I still feel like maybe respawn is being being pulled or being spread too thin as well because they they're they're working on a survivor and an additional uh, non Star Wars IP as well. So, you know, I think something had to give. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that hopefully the re- it's a redundancy thing and that the next non Star Wars IP they're working on is in a full blown uh, Titanfall game. Maybe Titanfall three. Maybe that's what's happening and we don't have the full story. But uh, anyway. Uh, what else you got? I know you got some some new stuff you want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So to that point, um, in the same vein uh, with the cancellation stuff, Jeff Grubb is also reporting to the internets that the Coalition has canceled their smaller non-Gears project as well as another project. So they canceled two of them things. Uh, Pablo the Studio is now moving fully into developing Gears 6. Jeff Grubb also noted that this pivot is not something that just happened, but rather uh, a transition they made over the past year. So the questions are kind of, how do we feel about this? Are you happy that we're going to get Gear 6 sooner than anticipated? Or at least that they're just focusing exclusively on that. Um, And was the non-Gears project something that interested you more than the next entry in Gears? What are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I don't know what those projects were, so I couldn't talk about how much I would have liked that, liked them, or whatever. But yeah, if 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 they were working on two projects before working on Gears, we were six. We weren't getting Gear Six for a long time, uh, and Gears Five was so good I, that I've, that's all I want them to do. I want them to do the next Gears. Uh, I think this is also <clears throat> Phil Xbox knowing that they need. The, one of their pillars to show up sooner rather than later and, and, and deliver something, you know, to probably wrap up the, the, the Xbox Series life uh, cycle, something big at the end of the year, you know. Uh, so we'll at the end of, of the of the console cycle. Because uh, I feel like it's still way a long, long yeah, probably way. Yeah, another two or three for, years, I would imagine. Yeah, so yeah. I would imagine mm-hmm. just because, 
and plus, if they just started last year and, and, and those reports coming out, the game development has has exceeded five to six years of development now on average. So it might be some time, but I, I am, as a Gears fan and, and, and someone who really enjoyed Gears 5, someone who played Gears uh, 5 DLC recently with you and enjoyed the hell out of that, like more than I thought I would, uh, I am excited for the next Gears game. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that they're gonna start working on this, and it's gonna it's gonna be something that we see uh, a lot sooner uh, than I guess we were going to. So that's that's good news. Yeah, I'm not anyway. too far apart with you actually on this one. I think this is the right call. Bravo. I mean, when I heard this news, I actually got excited about it because I think I think what the naysayer would say, Pablo, is that well, you know, maybe they would have made the next Hi-Fi Rush kind of a project or the next Pentiment kind of project, and those are fine. But here's the problem with that. Um, we talked about it in the past. You need system sellers. Hi-Fi Rush is a great game, but that's not going to move console units. And and Pentiment damn sure isn't going to do that, right? So you you need <laughs> alone, man. <laughs> you need you need something. You need the marquee, big budget, triple A, first party exclusive. You need that. And unfortunately, the problem. And and I think this. You know, I'm not trying to bully Halo again here, but. This is the domino effect, right? When Halo is not in good shape, it doesn't just affect Halo. It affects everybody else in the first-party division because when that game is faltering, that's an entire window of time that would have been occupied by Halo had it still been in the zeitgeist, right? That now it's not. And so now you have to look at studios like the Coalition and go, well, we could have given you more time to work on the side projects, but now here's the issue. Halo sucks. And we don't have anything. <laughs> we don't have anything to compensate for that. Um, so we need gears. The sooner, the better, right? So I, I, I know that his reporting said that it was an internal decision. I don't know if I fully believe that. I think there was probably some nudging up from up above to go, hey, why don't you, why don't you put that stuff on ice for a bit? I- you know. I thought it was silly that they weren't just moving into Gear 6 to begin with. I, I know yeah. that creative types, they want to be able to spread their wings a little bit and do something different. But I, 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 I'm not, I'm going to go really left field here, but I, I almost feel like this is another kind of uh, indictment on the leadership at Xbox that they mm. would let the Coalition, uh, a team named after the Coalition of the Gears of War, uh, work on something non-Gears on the heels of what people thought was one of the better Gears games to have ever been released, you know? So I, I it's just one of those things. You, you want to be able to let these studios do their own thing, but you yeah. also, if you have a team called The Coalition, if you have a team called 343 Industries, these have the, these bear the namesake of the game in which they're, they're known for. I just thought it was weird they're working on two projects <laughs> that weren't Gears of War it's, related. It's a bit when, different. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird decision to be with. Yeah. So glad they're back on track. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Papa, let's keep it with Xbox one more time here, and let's talk about Redfall. Uh, some news broke, Pablo, that Redfall will require that players be permanently connected online, even when playing in single player, uh, which was confirmed by Bethesda themselves. Uh, Bethesda also confirmed that a Bethesda.net account will be required to play the game as well. So there's been a lot of scuttlebutt about this whole always online type of situation. Uh, so Pablo, I guess the question for you and me is, is this a big deal or is it not a big deal? 
I don't know. I, I, on a personal note, I don't think it's a big deal at all. I'm always, I'm always online anyway. I'm always connected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know that this game is, is is talking about it being only single player. Oh, I mean, could all be played as well as single player. But I mean, they they showed it a lot uh, enough to know that their true intent is to may have you play with multiplayer aspects to it the stuff we don't know what's happening with ai or world stuff i don't know if that's happening through uh online connections uh someone had said something about maybe there's something to do with assets also coming through but nonetheless none of that has been said so just in terms of like purely looking at it from uh just generally speaking i don't think it's that big of a deal i think it's an easy pain point to look at it and be critical of but i mean most of people are going to be playing it through game pass most people have online connection more people are going to be connected and if you share an account like i do like a lot of people do uh one of us has to be constantly connected anyway to play uh those games so i'm already the only time i'm not connected is if i have no power in which case i'm not playing no games so like that's kind of where i come from on a personal level i understand that there's you know people like i have a good friend of mine who lives in puerto rico who is uh unfortunately their infrastructure their online infrastructure kind of sucks you know they're in and out of internet quite a bit um not enough to where it's impossible to to play a game like that because he does play call of duty quite often but enough to where it could be a problem and so i i sympathize for them and i understand why it's a big deal for them but personally i just think that every game is just online anyway like destiny 2 destiny you can play those games single player if you want but they're always connected it's not this isn't anything new i know this was a conversation with xbox one and ps4 first launched uh but i don't think this is something that is really that big of a deal anymore for me but i digress what, what do you think yeah i think if this was an issue back in 2012 like the xbox one era then i can understand it a little bit more because at the time um there were a lot of people who were in those blackout areas that you know didn't get the cream of the crop internet or, or whatever um and i'm not yeah. saying that that problem isn't fully why did you why did you do that the cream of the crop <laughs> ah, ah, i'm asking myself why i did that that was me in third person there um yeah so you know here's the thing um is it a deal breaker no i don't think it's a it's a huge problem i think when you invest your money into the console space as a gamer in 2020 something there are things that i think inevitably you know come with the territory and the biggest one is you know you're probably going to need to be online a lot um if if you can't reconcile that or you don't have a solution for that i i think xbox has got to it, it's no longer their responsibility to make sure you can access xbox content online i think that's that that's not the that's not their onus any more than it's playstations or nintendos um their onus is making sure that when you are online and using their services that their services are actually good and usable and functional right so if you don't have a persistent online connection or you travel a lot or whatever your issue is i mean i hate to say this in such a cold way but that's on you um you know and there's nothing that anybody can do about that sorry your situation isn't isn't great um as i know you know like you said a lot of regions or you know places around the world don't have the same luxury that others do but the 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 gaming industry can't necessarily hold itself back for those people either so it's it it is a double-edged sword um but unfortunately this is how it's going to be and i don't think it's gonna i don't think it's going to get any easier anytime soon 
beyond Redfall. I think more games in the future will be permanently connected online, and that's just going to be the way it works. Yeah. Um, especially if everybody is moving in these multiplayer first directions conceptually, then I think it's unavoidable. And, um, so I, I don't fault they, I don't fault them for this at all. And the way they talked about the, their map, how certain areas are, you go into that world and it's a a uh, it's a jump in like you could jump in anytime and this specific area is like meant to be played with friends and so like it would be i think a pain point for them in order to have all these people jumping in and out of those sections going in and out of online connecting reconnecting so i just think it probably just makes more sense for the game to always be online in that way but um this doesn't mean that they won't add a offline mode. I, I know Back for Blood added one a couple of months after it released, uh, so it's not necessarily uh, a the end all be all. But as it stands now, yeah, it's not it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, might not be the end of the world for Redfall, but is this the end of the line for E three, <laughs> Pablo? That segue, man, killing Segway. the game right now. Um, IGN is reporting, Pablo, that Xbox, Nintendo, and PlayStation will all be skipping E3 this year and will not be on the show floor whatsoever. Though only Nintendo had an E3 floor presence back in 2019, Xbox hosted their own booths at the Microsoft Theater next door, and Sony said nah, all together. Um, it's important to note, however, that Xbox will still have booths at the theater next, to, next door and that they are coordinating with E3 so that their events won't overlap with each other. But still in all, um, what does this mean for E3, though? Uh, can E3 thrive and survive without the big three's presence, Pablo? Yeah, I think they can, but not at the scale in which they're 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 purporting or, or the skill in which they they're, they're fully back you know we're, we're all the booths and all that stuff i i think that they can survive i think that e3 personally i still feel e3 is important to the industry uh or something like e3 even if it, it becomes Je- jeff Keeley's thing uh down the road whatever it is i think something like that is still important but i wouldn't kill e3 just yet i mean the ea Ubisoft, there's so many, 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 many huge publishers that are now going to see this as an opportunity to even expand their um, expand their their presence there and, and, and talk more about their games. So it's not the end of the world. Um, I know a report had come out recently that uh, PlayStation's reason behind this is they have nothing to show, and Xbox's reason is that they actually did not allocate a lot a lot of marketing budget for Xbox this year. So they're kind of sparingly going to do their thing on their own dime when they want, not, you know, not through um, the ESO or anything. So, um, and, and Nintendo's Nintendo. They do, they march to the beat of their own drum. But yeah, I don't think this, this marks the end of E3. It is a little bit, it does flatten the show a little bit, make it a little more compressed, not as grandiose as might one, uh, one might think without the big three there, but there's still plenty of games, still plenty of studios, publishers, developers, companies that'll be there, and it'll still be a, uh, it'll still be interesting watch once we get, uh, once that rolls around here in June. Yeah, um, you know, I, I kind of think that this is maybe a blessing in disguise for, third parties uh in a pretty big way because i think you know gaming is much more than these three plastic boxes you know xbox nintendo and playstation is not 
what gaming is. There's so many indie studios that need shine. There's so many third parties out there with new IP that they're trying to throw out there or, you know, just something unique that wouldn't maybe have a place in uh, an Xbox showcase or, or you know, a Nintendo Direct. But, but, you know, this gives them a platform to show what they have to offer. And I think there's always uh, a need for that. There's always a need for um, press and gaming industry interactivity as well. Um, so people can go up and talk to a developer and learn more about a game. And, you know, that kind of coverage still matters in this, in this landscape. I know that the big three like to control their messaging. Um, but that <laughs> the results are usually mixed on that, uh, as, as we see with a lot of headlines that pop up about all three of them. Right. So they're going to do their thing and that's fine, but I still doesn't, I, I don't think that that's the final nail in E3's coffin. I just think that you're going to have to pivot a little bit. They're going to have to get creative, and they're going to have to really compel these third parties, the Capcoms, the EAs, Ubisofts, and so on, to take advantage of this this extra space to to show more. Um, and I think it could be worthwhile anyway. I'm still looking forward to E3, and I still think there's value in it because uh, it, it's a it's a fun time of year to really see where gaming is heading next and and where people are at with certain things. I will miss that the big three aren't there anymore, but I don't think that it's gloom and doom for E3 because of that. Um, I just think it's 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 like what PAX is in a sense, you know, like PAX is not, you know, the biggest thing of, of the year. Even Tokyo Game Show isn't what it used to be um, or CES. Like it, it, these sorts of conventions are not going to be what they were 20 years ago or 10 years ago but they still have a purpose and they can be useful and informational for the gaming community without the big three being there. Also, you know, E3 for many is a location in terms of where you go, but for most of us, it's just an event happening online and eat, PlayStation, Nintendo, and Xbox don't need to specifically be part of E3 to release a showcase during the E3 timeframe. So to us, the, we're consuming the product, and it all feels like E3 anyway. So you know, mm-hmm. if if Xbox didn't have the marketing to budget to go in there and have a booth and and whatever the case may be, them coordinating with E3 meaning they'll probably have something that same week, you know, right before E3 starts at Sunday or something that like they mm-hmm. usually do. Uh, so it'll still feel like E3 to us. Uh, but it just gives the opportunity to, like you said, to the third party guys to, 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 to show out more, you know, have a little more room in there, a yeah. more elbow yeah. room, you know? All right. Elbow room. That's, I don't know how to segue out of that. <laughs> um, but we have to, uh, because it is time to get to the main event of this week's episode of the show, Pablo, and that is our checkpoint chat. Let's go. It's time for the checkpoint chat. All right, so for our checkpoint chat this week, we decided to get a little bit creative here and take a trip down memory lane a little bit. Uh, we've been talking all this 2022 stuff, 2023 stuff. We decided let's look back a little further than that. Let's go a little bit more broad here and think about the five games that each of us loved until we didn't so these are games that we played that you know for a time we were riding high oh this is fire this is good good times right and then all of a sudden maybe little by little or maybe just drastically out of nowhere kind of fell off a cliff for us and we were like wait a minute this is actually not the best right so we're going to talk about those games and explain our rationale as to why we soured on some of these games that 
And I have to say, looking at our list here, this is some pretty pretty good games, you know, <laughs> according to the general consensus. So we're going to be a little spicy and with I, some of these choices here. And I think that we still think that some of these games, even our own list, are good games. It's just yeah. we're talking about games that we were like, holy shit, like this is... What happened? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. falling off of that. Yeah. Some of my picks are maybe games that I loved but then ended up liking instead some of them are games i love that i ended up kind of hating so uh, right. it's it's a little all over the spectrum for me in terms of, of of spice Same. but uh that's kind of where we're at so we're gonna go round robin up in this hell pablo that's what we're gonna do and uh i want to kick it over to you first with your first game that you loved and then didn't what do you got well uh the first one is 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 assassin's creed odyssey um Look, after Origins, I was on board with the new iteration of AC games. Uh, previous formula was wearing thin, mostly because there was just a game every year, sometimes even two. Uh, and Origins story setting and gameplay was just a revelation for me. So when, when they announced Odyssey and, and how awesome it looked and, and the fact that you can pick between uh, a female or, or male uh, protagonist and, you know, Cassandra being just like... Uh, just like really well voice acted and, and just the soul Spartan story behind it, you know, reminiscent of that of 300. This game opens up like with a banger, man. Like, you know, you're, 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 you're thrown out of the Spartans. You come back and you, you like two hours into the game, you get to Spartan kick your dad off a fucking cliff. And you're like, hell yeah. It's like, where the hell is this game going? I already got revenge. And then things start to kind of like reveal themselves. The map starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger and, more shit starts filling in, and then it becomes really an act of attrition to play this game. This is one of those that I really loved. Like, I, I can remember talking to people in the first few hours, first 20 hours of this game. And just like, bro, I just leveled up to level 20. I can jump off a fucking cliff and take no damage. Like, the traversal in this game is absolutely incredible. <laughs> I and then I realized, I don't really have anything story-wise. Let me start going through these story About 100 hours in, guys. And it's just like 75 of those are just pure pain. And and just like I the fact <laughs> that this it's a checklist game. It's it's a game with so much to do, but it, it pushes nothing forward. The narrative sucks. The fact that you have to really probably play like 200 hours to get the quote unquote true ending that really leads nowhere and means nothing. It just became really honestly one of the most boring Assassin's Creed experiences. I've ever had up to probably Valhalla, which was which is worse, but it's a game that I pretty much hated from the get, right? Uh, but Assassin's Creed Odyssey was so full of promise, and it started off so well, so many great things the game does, and it turned out to be pure malaka, unfortunately, uh, <laughs> uh, for those who played the game. But yeah, man, yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things, it, and it also is the birth of, it's the beginning of the end. Of Assassin's Creed to me because this is where the game completely goes downhill, uh, and now they're promoting Mirage as going back to the basics, something that they never really had mm -hmm. to leave. Uh, just how to give this franchise more room to breathe, and instead they just inundated you with shit to do, and that's not the way I like it. So yeah, Assassin's Creed Odyssey yeah. is definitely quintessential one of those games. When we talked about doing this, it's like one of the first games I thought about for sure. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. I'm I hated the game from the outset. I ain't going to lie. I mean, I, yeah. I liked Origins a lot, yeah. but that was like in my brain, like that, that formula, I got everything I could want to get out of it with Origins. And then anything after that just felt excessive. And so yeah. when I when I fired up Odyssey for the first time and I'm 
going through the whole thing and I'm like, oh, it's just more of this, but more of this. And oh, and there's more, more of this too. And more of that too. Oh God, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I don't, you don't know how to spend your time in that game most of the time. It's like, am I even, what am I pursuing at this point? And the story um, and, is telling anyway, is very yeah. good to begin with after story, the- just the story just got turned into junk and the series, you know, I think abandoned the whole future story arc thing and went completely in the past and to me that just I never liked that decision I liked the older Assassin's Creed games that had that balance between the two Um, and this just felt like it got into that mode of like yep here's that same formula but in this era and now the next game is going to be this formula but in another era and that's just not a sustainable model because you're going to run out of cool places to go with the series and the gameplay is going to get stale and, yeah. and this i think the state the staling happened so fast with this with this game for me that i oh, i don't think i got dude. more than 10 hours into it and i was done dude it it's it, it's because it's like a 300 hour experience to get everything out of it to move the story to to move the story like five minutes ahead that's insane in the future that's it's insane it's but yeah it makes no sense it makes no sense yeah. and, and Valhalla is no better for it and i have a feeling that everything that's coming after it maybe mirage is is is, is going to be something good but i just don't have any confidence and we love this we love that this ip so much that we're idiots and we keep purchasing the next entry into the franchise thinking it's going to be good and yeah it, it I, I, I did that i made that mistake with with uh with Valhalla. Valhalla. Yeah, yeah i did too I'll try yeah. to convince myself the whole time. It's a new gen. It's a new for Xbox Series X. I get it. All, all the visual. And it looked good. It looked great. But who cares? The game yeah. was terrible. <laughs> all right. Well, let me go ahead and drop my uh, first game that I loved and didn't. That's Devil May Cry 5, Pablo. Um, I was so excited when this series was coming back. Uh, I, I remember it like, yeah, like yesterday. It was at the Xbox conference they revealed it um and i was so excited and then i played it and then i'm like you know what this is a hell of a good looking game it's a good gameplay feels right it feels like devil may cry it's got the 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 corny electro rock music Mm -hmm. with it and everything and you know it's got dante dante hey man we're we're back we're in this thing and then the hours went by and I played more of it, and I realized this game's getting a little forgettable for me. The battles are a little bit bland. The level design is extremely basic. The mission design is largely uninteresting. And I started to really hate the hand gimmick with Nero. Um, it's like, you know, each hand has a different ability to it. And, you know, it's uh, this prosthetic does this thing, and this thing is... And I just started really resenting the game after that. And then they add Dante in the mix and, uh, you know, pretty much midway through the game or even a little bit further. I don't, I don't remember. And that it was a whole different thing to learn. Um, and it just started to feel a bit bloated and it feel, it felt a bit aimless. Uh, it, it, it felt like a day in the life of these characters and it didn't feel like anything was really, um, significant, you know, like the the Virgil comeback, I think was probably the highlight for me because I love that character. But the build but that, up to we, that was not that enjoyable. We yeah. saw that coming from. My, I'm not even yeah. a Dolmen Cry fan, and I knew I knew who Virgil was, and I knew that that was happening. Yeah, yeah. So I I think to me it just turned into a very forgettable game. Um, that I I started off white hot, 
And and as time went on, and I'd say shortly after I rolled credits, I was like, actually, that was kind of that was kind of bland. And uh, and you don't you don't want to feel like that for a game that's got as much attitude and charisma as so Devil May Cry does, you know? Yeah. I agree with you. I mean, I I like this game fine, uh, but that those level that level design, like when you were in the city, all the all that level looked the same. When you were in hell or whatever that red gooey place was, that that's all that level looked like. It, it was just super basic level design, which made the other stuff kind of stand out a little bit when you were in different areas. But yeah, it was it was fine. Mm-hmm. I, I, I it was it, Devil May Cry has never been a series for me. I'm a I'm I'm the weirdo that thinks that DMC Devil May Cry is the best Devil May Cry game. Uh, so this was fine, yeah. But it definitely it's not a game that I loved or liked in, in a way. But all right, well, kick it back to you, man. What you got next? Well, I mean, this is kind of like uh, par for the course. If you've listened to this podcast in uh, in the last year, uh, just about a year, you know how I feel about Grand Theft Auto Five. But you know, it's hard to to. To play Grand Theft Auto Five and have that opening, uh, by the bank heist opening, and then have the, the the introduction to each of those characters and and that world, and and think that this game sucks or anything like that, because that the the sandbox of that game is so amazing. The way that game looked, at least then, was so incredible. Uh, but then you know, uh, after rolling credits, I could not really think of any memorable characters outside of the main characters there was like no brucey for me no roman no packy from gta 4 like none of of those kind of people stuck out for me uh and each of the main protagonists for me just wore on me so thin i I feel like michael and franklin being a little too safe it just kind of being allegories to tommy versetti and cj and then trevor just just one of the most annoying video game characters of all time in my personal opinion uh you couple that with the you know the forgettableness of 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 the story because uh, i can't even remember what happened in that story the forgettableness of 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 uh, the side characters or characters that supp- are supposed to be memorable in, in grand theft auto games uh are no longer you know the case it, it, it was no longer the case in grand theft auto 5 there was just nothing about that game th- other than the sandbox of it all that was good to me uh, I hated the story, like I've mentioned, characters, everything. It was just, it just, it just, it it, it felt like a massive step down from Grand Theft Auto Four in that aspect. Uh, obviously, with the new tech and, and the world is is great. I love the the high stuff, uh, but you know, it just it, it just a game that is fine. It's a fine game, but it's a game that I really was really in love with uh until you know i had some time to think about it right after i wrote credits and thought like man that game fucking it just wasn't memorable it just wasn't memorable for me the story at least the single player of it so yeah that, that's grand theft auto 5 for me disagree okay but let me ask you a question Can, do you <laughs> I re- get to i didn't even get a rebuttal but real quick, before right, you what, before what? your rebuttal, can you think of any memorable character can you think oh of, yeah yeah i, I, I can't lamar uh yeah Lester was really cool. I, I liked Wade. Is. Wade was the the he was the juggle looking dude. Um, yeah, Dave, which was the the, uh, the the guy that worked with Michael uh, to keep him, you know, pr- like witness protection kind of thing. Like, Man, I don't remember yeah. any of those guys. Like, I, I remember yeah, his dude. son being one of the dudes from Pete and Pete. Uh, that's about it. Oh yeah, the uh, DeSanta family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, uh, and Jimmy. Then, 
Yeah, and I for me, I, those for me they, they didn't resonate in the story. I honestly don't know anything. I know that they're getting revenge after they're being screwed over in the bank heist. But I mean, I don't know. It's just for me, it was it just wasn't memorable especially when you think about the other ones it's just for me i don't know but you disagree i know you disagree i know most people i know disagree i get it uh mm-hmm. but i i think a lot of people conflate nothing you do because i you you do like the, the the story and the character i beat it six but, times man yeah yeah just, you, I definitely you, do. you love it yeah but conf- a lot of people conflate oh you can do anything in that game with the story being good uh i i i think this i, I i'm on record saying the sandbox is the best sandbox they've ever made probably besides maybe red dead redemption 2 uh, but you have more, you know, you can do more in in in, in uh, Grand Theft Auto Five. But uh, but the story for me, man, you know, I I there there I, I know kids. If you're listening, there wasn't Grand Theft Auto Online before. All we had was Grand Theft Auto the, the story, the, the you know your time in that in that game. And I just I'm not saying this game sucks. I'm just saying this this game is not a game that I love, and it's a game that I started off loving because it was just so nice to look at. But yeah. Yeah, I I love GTA Five for so many reasons. I think the the world was was so well realized. I think that the story to me was really good. Um, probably my favorite from GTA to be honest. Um, I think that the characters um, they were they were great in their own way, and they didn't um, they all complemented each other really well in my opinion. I think Michael was my favorite actually. I think that introducing the whole broken family dynamic was interesting. Uh, because I think a lot of protagonists from the past were always, they always had the benefit of being these lone wolves, you know, and they don't have the family to answer to or anything like that. They're just here to start fresh in, in the new city, uh, hmm. you know, and, and that's cool, you know, because there's, there's no strings attached, but it was interesting to play with characters that had those uh, strings Nico attached. Nico had his cousin Roman to look after. Okay. Oh, wow. Wow. So profound he was. I, I, still uh, think, I, I, I would stand by it. And I, I think Grand Theft Auto Four story is better than than Fives, but well, you know, again, fentanyl is something that's out here <laughs> in droves, man. It's everywhere. It's uh, so. But it's, no, yeah. I di- I digress. <laughs> what do you got? All right, let, let me jump in next with my next game that I loved until I didn't. That is Fable. Uh, Fable, to me, had all the promise in the world thanks to Peter Molyneux. Uh, imagine a world where everything. Remembers you plant an acorn, and you know it was all that stuff. And the game comes out, and it's none of those things. It is a pedestrian adventure masquerading as an ambitious epic with awful storytelling, poor combat, and bland quests. Um, And and here's the thing: I didn't realize that at first when I was playing it. You know, albeit a younger version of me, you know, so I'm not as much of smarter. a critic as I am now, I'm not smarter, smarter back then. I'm, I'm more naive, I'm more wet behind the ears, uh, if if you will. And um, you know, mean? I'm 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 pl- shut the fuck up. <laughs> what is wet behind the ears? <laughs> With these ad libs, man. Pablo be ad libbing all over my shit, Yo, man. I I, like I told is, him I don't hear it until I listen to the playback. And what is like, wet behind the ears mean? Tr- what are what? you white up to? With the wet behind the ears, what does that mean? It, it means you're naive. It means you're young, and and you know you, you, I know, got, but you got a long the, way to what's go. What's the look connection with the wet ears? I'm gonna look that shit Here's up. Here's the thing about having nasty. Pablo. You have a persistent online connection. You can Google it and find it. All right. <laughs> let me talk. Let me talk about Fable, motherfucker. All right. Fable. Um, I initially liked some of the elements of the game that made it cute and charming and whimsical. Uh, I liked the fact that you could, you know, 
kick chickens and you know you can kind of have some sort of agency over how you look and you grow up over the years and you know you see how you've you've developed as time has gone on but i think that the the basis around fable was i think largely overblown i think the premise is just very like i said very pedestrian at best and most of the gameplay elements and and i want to be clear this is not a case of oh it aged poorly like this is how i felt shortly after playing it just felt really um half-baked uh it didn't feel fully realized and and i think that that's also why to me fable 2 felt like we're going to do the exact same thing again. We're just going to try to make it closer to our original vision. Um, but really, when you go back and play those two, I mean, it, it they don't feel all that different. It just feels like, well, now we have more hardware capabilities so that we can add more stuff that we had to cut the first time around. Um, but I, I always felt like all three of those games were trying to get the original vision Right, and I don't think any of them really did. And Fable to me was the first stop in that 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 blunder, in my opinion. Um, I'm not saying it's a terrible game. I'm just saying that it's an it's a mid ass game, and uh, I, it wasn't as as lovable of an experience for me as it felt when I was playing it in the heat of the moment. But you know, since then, it's it's just not what I think it's it's been cracked up to be, is what I'll say. I mean, it's just, this game could easily gone on my list, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, I love I love Fable, kind of like the the vibe of Fable, but I mean, like in terms of the execution of specifically Fable One, I think it's very pedestrian. I do like to. I think three is the better one. I think obviously, uh, when they have the the, the what they learn from one and two and they put into three. Three is the closest to that vision, though I think the vision to begin with was preposterous and ridiculous and had nowhere ever being close to being uh, actually uh, accomplished. It's just that Peter Bonnelly loves to get in his own shit and just kind of like go crazy and say some crazy shit. Uh, crazy shit like saying wet behind the ears, which means that you still have fucking... Uh, amniotic fluid behind your ears because it's the last place most people dry. Where did I you hate... go? What did you go to? Like WebMD? What the no. fuck are you doing? Hold on. I picked up the, uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll the internet Eda. for you. I picked up the history of it. 1850, Pennsylvania. From the drying of am- amniotic okay. fluid on a baby. The literal... Uh, 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 the, the literal definition of wet behind the ears. Lacking experience or yeah, immature. Yeah, I know that. But I just want to where it came from. Okay. Like where did where, where did it? I, I knew that, but I want to know where it came from. Where well, what exactly? What the fuck else do you want? A language of origins? You want to use it in yeah. a sentence? What are we doing? And it are was exactly it what I. It's exactly what I thought. Every time you say some crazy shit like wet behind the ears, I'm calling you out on it. I'm sick. Of, I'm sick of. I'm sick of the whitewashing of this podcast. <laughs> the whitewashing. All right. All right. All right. Um, going here next. I have Dragon Age 2. Um, Dragon Age 2 is a game that uh, I played and I thought was amazing. I thought, holy crap. Like, um, this is like, do anything, say anything, and things change. And then the more you play, the less things change, actually. Uh, it is a super linear approach to Dragon Age. You play as Hawk. And there really isn't much of a difference in the origins. There's no difference in orange story, uh, origin story, and not and not many of his decisions matter, which is and a game that's built on decisions and, and things you make. And, and even when you do something, it says, "Oh, this is will be remembered," or whatever the case may be. There's none of that really in, in Dragon Age Two. And the problem with this game is that it's just it's very basic 
Western RPG fluff that was then kind of pretty much ousted as that when that same year, Skyrim, Deus Ex, and Witcher 2 all came out and did what this game did 10 times better. Uh, and so I came in with my little notion of Dragon Age 2 being amazing, playing Deus Ex Human Revolution and Witcher 2, and like, oh, Dragon Age is actually a bad game. Dragon Age 2 is actually a bad game. Um, I know that is I don't know if that's people's favorite, um, but I think it was more or less like Dragon Age. There's another Dragon Age 2 that came out. It was like a DLC. But anyway. Um, oh, I don't know. And and the, the truth of the matter is, Marco, and the more I thought about this, I think I love Inquisition, but it just still pales in comparison to the likes of like The Witcher 3 or something like that. It, all Dragon Age games just feel like precursors to something that's about to be better. Uh, hopefully the new Dragon Age is is, 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 is is incredible, but, you know, I almost feel like after every Dragon Age game, it, it just it left me longing, feeling like I wanted something a little bit more. It, it, even with Inquisition, which I liked that, but, you know, I think that the main boss there was bad too. It, it did a lot of stuff that was, wasn't really going for it. But, yeah, Dragon Age 2 is a game that I absolutely was like, Oh my God, revolution. Like having this thought, like this is going to change video games forever because of how awesome it is to, 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 to have your own decisions mean something. And then turned out they mean nothing. But then on top of that, you really have three games that dropped that were actually revolutionary in the same year, months away from it. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's Dragon Age 2 for me. Do you have any experience with Dragon Age 2? Um, I played a little bit of it. Um, I, admittedly i've never been a huge dragon age fan i i yep. liked i liked origins just fine but i've never you know at the time i wasn't really big on high fantasy stuff so yep. I, it kind of it kind of passed me by but uh I, I did circle back to it and it is as good as people say it is and obviously i played a lot of inquisition origins um, is good. i think uh i don't think the series has ever recovered mm-hmm. after two I think uh, that really derailed this franchise. It could have been the high fantasy Mass Effect, uh, yeah. and it, it ultimately just kind of shit the bed. And it's just kind of this thing now where it's like, <laughs> in a weird way, it's it's almost like EA's Beyond Good and Evil two kind of thing now. It's like it's 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 coming. It's gonna it's it's coming back. Don't worry, fans. Well, you know, like fuck. I mean, it's been forever since Inquisitions came out. And even then, that game wasn't flawless, um, no, especially no, no. with some of the narrative choices they made about the ultimate villain in the game looking as derpy, derpy. as it does. <laughs> Derped up. Yeah, um, yeah. I, but, I, you know, I agree look, with that, yeah. It, it's, it's a good pick. Is I think I think when people were playing this game back when it first came out, people wanted to love it so hard. And people were trying their best to see past, like, oh, it's not as open, it's not as RPG-like as, as Origins was. But I think slowly but surely, people kind of came around and went, yeah, this kind of sucks. And yeah. I think that's why it deserves to be here, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I remember, I remember, I was into this motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, my next game. Oh, this is, is quintessential. This could have been on my list easy. I, I was actually surprised you didn't put it there, but I have Heavy Rain as my game that I loved then didn't. Um, listen, you make a psychological, uh, you know, crime kind of thing going on. I, it, I'm in. Psychological thrillers are my jam. Uh, so this this game 
had all the trappings of something that that Marco would love. And for the longest time through playing that game, I was all in. <laughs> Damn, I was in, bro. I, I, I man, who, the, the who done it was just man. It was it was fire. I could I was forgiving the game for its you know its its really bad voice acting and you know everybody had the accent they were trying to pretend they didn't have. <laughs> the old I am Gally American. Killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am definitely American man uh-huh. with family. Um, it, you know, I was like, okay, that's cool. I could deal with that as long as you deliver on the story. And boy, when that plot twist happened, and you find out who the killer is, and you're like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. It's the dude you've been playing as, and apparently, you know, the game just it does that thing that a lot of games do, where they, you know, or stories in general do, where you know, they, lie. they subtract. The things that you would obviously know makes that person the killer uh, and only shows you the times where they're not pretending or where they're pretending to not be the killer. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's so stupid uh, and so unrealistic. You, you find out who it is and it's like it just creates these plot holes everywhere. And it's like, well, then how come you made me play as this person and you didn't I didn't do anything as this person that would ever make me think it could be him? And then you find out later, oh, you know, his stream of thought was all, you know, about, you know, the kidnappings and the murders. And it's like, what the fuck is this? So this is where I lost a lot of faith in Quantic Dream. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to stay on the hook for it. I tried to see past it and like, maybe there's something I missed here. Maybe there were hints and clues all throughout the game up until, you know, a certain point. And I just didn't see it. But no, I saw everything and it was just still stupid. So yeah. like 85% of that game. You're inside people's heads. You're thinking, you're seeing what they're thinking. You're in their thought process. And then the only time you're not is when you're playing the killer. Is like when he's investigating the murder, he's not thinking about, ha, I did this. Oh, shit. Like, you're like <laughs> yeah. it, none of that ever comes up. It, it's, yeah, it's definitely a game that I was like, oh, man, this is so, it's like an interactive movie. And oh. I am solving the case. Oh, my God. It's like Saw. Ethan. Ethan. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all that shit. And then it just like. When it was over, it's like, did that suck? Because I think that yeah. sucked. And then, yeah. and, you know, David Cage, I think, was rightly rightly so exposed in that game. And it has never been good. He's never been good. So, you know, Beyond Two Souls was beyond garbage. And uh, though Detroit Become Human was probably his best work, it's still kind of not great. Even then, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. stomach that game at all. And I never, yeah. I never even came close to finishing uh, Detroit. And I was actually looking forward to that because I like the sci-fi thing and, you know. But his I themes are so. Started singing. Uh, it's it's just so corny and like the themes are so heavy handed. You know, like it's you know fight the man and you know, oh, it, the, it's just the so... rumor is is that his hand is actually made of fist. Um, his okay. fist is actually made of ham. Wow. Okay, <laughs> you ruined that. <laughs> you ruined that for yourself. Damn it! Wow. You have this like dyslexic situation going on, man. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with it's you. It's good. But, uh, it's good. Even that little diatribe was better than all the writing in Heavy Rain uh, yeah. combined. So, yeah, that's uh, that, that's the next game on my list. And, it, yeah, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, fuck the origami killer. Yeah, fuck um, the origami. I ain't getting all them damn paper cuts. Fuck all, fuck all that. All right, next an- game. Another game for me is a game that uh, we've talked about before, but I felt I needed to add it here. Uh, Uncharted 4. Uncharted 4 is a game that um, started off 
really good. Uh, you know, I remember kind of being blown away by a story because it kind of took everything from one, two, and three, and uh, tried to delve into a more personal story. You know, and I, th- I thought the game also looked stunning. And it had those really tender moments between Nathan and his family, and this stuck for me after I played the game. But once I finished it, uh, uh, I, I did claim that I loved the game. But with time and really the release of Log- Lost Legacy, I kind of realized how incredibly long it was, how its gameplay loop was stale, how repetitive and boring it is, how its story is just completely littered with with that with fluff and bloating the game over 20 hours where you push conveniently placed boxes ropes roping skills that would make anyone at yellowstone jealous and just kind of like the constant rock slides like (laughs) just because i mean rock slides man everywhere it it just it's it's a game yeah oh yeah and all that stuff it just it it's a game that really is 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 nice to look at and plays really well but really doesn't do anything special story wise it really doesn't it doesn't really kind of give this finale that you're expecting like you know with other naughty dog works as well like you know with the last of us and the last of us 2 and how how incredibly well written those games are uh uncharted does not feel like that it's disjointed in so many ways it's trying to tell you so many different stories uh so many different twists and plot things that really just feel unnecessary and just overwrought overdone um it's a mess it's a mess of it's a mess of a game really when you look at it at the end of the day i i was i'm more curious not to see what amy hennig's version of this game was supposed to be which was supposed to be extremely dark and kind of put a f- finale finality to the series that we didn't really get and so those questions are always coming up like oh uncharted 5 uncharted 5 because this you know they left it open for just about anything it, it didn't do anything in terms of closure uh and it was too long and i think uncharted 4 is actively a bad game now but Ooh. that's just me yeah so um some of you remember this but um i did a marathon of uncharted um very recently, I think sometime last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was last year, yeah. Yeah. And um, I wanted to relive all of them. I wanted to, because I've always hated Uncharted. I've always hated Uncharted. Um, I never liked any of the characters and never liked anything going on. And I will say that I, after revisiting all of them, my opinion stood firm <coughs> with the exception of Uncharted 4. I actually I actually liked Uncharted 4 for what it was. Um, again, Good game out of a out of a slew of ones that I didn't really like. So maybe it's just kind of like this is the least bad of of them all in my opinion. But I I thought that the storytelling was it was trying to do a little bit more than what the other games were doing, which was oh my god, I found yeah. this hidden map. It's gonna take us here, and the, oh my god, it's the it's the hidden treasure that that the pirate from seventeen twenty eight found. You know it. That got so fucking taxing to listen to throughout those other games. And I'm not saying 4 doesn't do the same thing. It does it. But it also added in the the sibling storytelling and, you know, Nate just not knowing how to walk away and and just go home and be a family man kind of thing. Um, So I liked they added more dimension to that instead of just Nathan being Nathan. Um, So... I actually came around on it a good amount, but I still don't think that it's it's a great, great game by any stretch of the imagination. And I could certainly see why, you know, for someone like you, it hit and then it kind of didn't after a while. So yeah. I, I do get it, though. Yeah. Um, let me go ahead and jump in with my next one. These last two are going to piss some people off, some people that we know and some people that are like out there me. in the Internet. Yeah. 
Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. I want to. I want to say this. This time and for the next game, I got. I'm not being spicy for the sake of being spicy. I'm not that person that's just trying to be edgy and oh, I'm going to pick the great game that everyone loves and just shit all over it. You know, like I have reasons for feeling the way I feel about these. So if you can't handle uh, an alternative opinion than yours, fuck off. Um, respectfully. Final Fantasy 15 is the game I want to talk about right now as a game I loved and then didn't. Um, man, you tell me Final Fantasy is going open world. I'm, 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 I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm fascinated. Um, but boy, did that game take forever to, to, to finish. And boy, was it unfinished when it came out. And I fought my ass off to try to see past the unfinished feeling of that game, but I ultimately succumbed to it and couldn't escape that feeling of this game. When I played, it just didn't feel done. Um, the open world, uh, for as interesting of a transition as that was, that, that open world felt empty, pointless, and largely uninteresting to traverse. Uh, the story, I think as a result of that unfinished feeling, came off to me as a bit loose. Um, you, you really didn't spend enough time with a lot of these main characters to really earn that, that, that feeling of a bond that you had with them. They were already friends when the game fires up, you know, so they're already buddy, buddy. So you didn't really feel like you learned anything significant about them or that they got closer throughout the game. They, they just kind of felt like they, they were always friends. They stayed friends throughout the game and they ended it as friends. So there was no development. In, in their relationships together, in my opinion, uh, even after the time jump, in my opinion, as well. Uh, the missions were almost always forgettable, in my opinion. That mission-based structure was just not fun uh, at the end of the day, especially the bounty stuff that they had uh, with like the pseudo-monster hunter. Go find this giant beast and slay it, or find seven of these creatures, and then come running back here and get some bullshit award at this diner that somehow happens to be the place you go do that. Um, and I thought that the side characters to me were pretty awful. Um, you know, it just, or, or just borderline cringeworthy. The Sid, the, the female mechanic character, it, oh my God, the worst country accent you've ever heard in your life. And just completely vapid and, and hollow in every way. Uh, the, the one redeeming quality of that game to me is its ending, which I think is insanely good. Probably the, maybe the best ending in any Final Fantasy that I played. But by that point, I think I was just kind of hanging on for dear life. And I, it took a little while for me to realize it. But looking back on it now, that game just didn't really feel like it spent enough time in the, the, the oven like it needed to, and I think it just kind of <coughs> faltered for me uh, as a Final Fantasy guy. So that's where I'm at with this one, man. Final Fantasy 15, yeah, for me. Yeah, um, I guess I just haven't realized it. I mean, I know, I know that I know the game is is um, flawed beyond comprehension. It is, it is undone. There's story elements uh that are were missing chapter 13 was like a fucking gauntlet it was horrible yeah. to go through yep. uh but i don't know man it's just the charm of that world and the characters which i did like the characters his friends um that that kind of stuff just kind of stuck with me where i i have i've never thought about this game in a negative way i always kind of kind of have like a special place for it uh but i mean i nothing you said is invalid i think you're absolutely correct it's just um 
you know, I'm not exactly like the biggest Final Fantasy fan, but you know, you as a as a huge Final Fantasy fan like you are, you have certain standards and things that you're kind of uh, used to, and and the story being always on point, and and that just wasn't the case for for uh, 15. Though you're right, that ending was insane. Like I've been, I, I've I, I've I've been, I would say it's probably one of the best, if not the best, ending to any JRPG, uh, because I keep finding. Every JRPG I play, I keep trying to find an ending that's going to match the epicness. And I think Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was the closest one to that, uh, that that run up to it. But I still think that uh, 15 is is better that way. But yeah, but I, I definitely valid points you make here. All right. And Pablo, I'm turning it back to you for your fifth and final game that you loved until you didn't. What do you got? Uh, before I say the game, I, I, I have a caveat. I think this game is good. Um, I think this game is 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 a is is a an excellent uh, uh, entry to the Mario universe, Super Mario universe. But I don't love it. I just it's not a game that I love, and that's Super Mario Super Mario sixty four. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Super- Send all your hate mail to Pablo at... Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I get canceled immediately. It's Super Mario Odyssey. Um, I know there's people out there who think this is the best Mario, th- best 3D Mario game. I I absolutely disagree. Um, to start, I felt that the levels, worlds, what have you, of Odyssey just fell short conceptually, mostly uninspiring. Uh, there are standouts, and I think that's what makes those other levels feel that much more kind of lame, honestly. Like, New Donk City should be that game, but it, you know, New Donk City is superb in just about every way, but nothing ever comes as close to being as good as New Donk City ever again. That's like the midway point of that game. So you're leading up to these kind of ho-hum, fine, decent worlds. You hit New Donk City, and then nothing. Uh, till you hit the dark side of the moon, which is it was a pretty cool ending spot for the game. But I, I it, it just for me, it's just a game that plays excellent. It, 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 it obviously does. And and I don't, I'm not a particularly huge fan of the cappy mechanic. You know, every game has its own thing. I, I don't really like the whole cappy mechanic. However, I will say that it is not, it's not terrible. But when you're playing a platformer and you're playing a game like Mario, level design is king. The world in which you inhabitate ha- uh, uh, is king. And the fact that this game just mostly felt like the water level and the ice level and there's a food level we're cool but new donk city is so fucking like revolutionary in terms of mario levels and the things that happen in that game in that in that level of new donk city and it kind of arcs back to like uh your nostalgia for the game for uh, there's a segment that happens in that game that i still don't even like to to spoil because i think feel if you haven't gone to that they'll be blown away by it um and it has probably the best bowser fight to date but ultimately for me like when you look at Mario uh, 64, even Sunshine, specifically Galaxy and Galaxy 2, th- everything about those games was level design first and then everything else after. And I just feel like Mario Odyssey, hey, so much of it is so forgettable uh, in terms of its level design. That is really disappointing because that's what makes Mario so special. Uh, and after rolling credits on this game, I was honestly kind of disappointed how by how that actually panned out. Uh, and I wish that New Dawn City was the whole game. 
I, I, that's kind of what I wish is like we got to New Dog City from the beginning and everything that was a hub world for everything. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity there that they didn't do that. So, uh, yeah, it's Super Mario Odyssey is my number one. Yeah, um, I remember finishing that game and going, oh, well, that was it, you know, and uh, as somebody that's not like I'm not a huge Mario guy. I've talked about it in the past. I've, I didn't grow up Nintendo like others had. I was more on the other side of the spectrum. So, yeah. I circled back to Mario when I could, but, um, you know, Galaxy to me, uh, not Galaxy, sorry, uh, Odyssey, it was, a lot of people were calling it like, you know, the celebration of Mario. It's a celebration. It's, you know, it's, and in some respects it is, but I think that that was vastly overblown um, because I think a lot of those parts of the game that you had talked about were, you know, kind of borderline mundane at times, you know? Um, I just didn't feel it was as grandiose as it could have been. Um, I felt I felt like it was a very safe game to make for Mario. Um, it was a very straightforward concept. Mario can just become certain things, which you know now Kirby and Forgotten Land kind of took that and ran with it. It didn't feel as ambitious as I hoped it would, and I think that that just kind of permeated through my experience of the game. I'm like, well, you know, this 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 gameplay hook is all right. It's just not great. Yeah. But to your point, you know, you have the new Dong City kind of environment and then it all felt like it kind of clicked for a while. And it's like, oh, I see why they did this. And that was kind of like the proof of concept moment. But the rest of the game just didn't take that and build on it at all. It just kind of was like it plateaued really early. And then after, everything after that was like, yeah, but it wasn't as good as that level. Yeah, but no, this I one never. wasn't as good as that one either. And mm-hmm. then by the time you're rolling credits, you're like, man, I don't really feel like that did a lot past the you know, the, the new donk section of the game. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's a shame, but I mean, you know, it, it's people love it. It's reviewed through the roof. Like with the, it's like the highest ranked game, I think ever and look, uh, it, it, something and like that. I think you're right. I think it is. And, and, I, and look, I, I don't, I'm not surprised by that. It is a quality game. It's just those games. You're not supposed to Mario game is not supposed to peak right smack dab in the middle of it you know yeah. like yeah. you know even Bowser's Fe- I mean Bowser's Fury that came out uh 2 years ago conceptually that was way more ambitious than anything uh Odyssey did and I mm-hmm. thought that game was a lot more uh interesting in its level design uh yeah. but you know it's it's a shame because I I it just it just feels like a missed opportunity because New Donk City was just spectacular. Uh, but yeah, I digress. That's, that's, that's where I'm at. That was my number one, Super Mario Odyssey, a game that I absolutely loved when I first started playing it, and now I think it's fine. Yeah. All right, so my fifth and final game that I loved and then didn't. All right. If you got a problem with this, if you, if you think less of me, if you think I... Uh, I think I don't deserve to host the show after this. Too bad. Uh, Here's what I got. Bioshock. Not Bioshock Infinite. Not Bioshock 2, but the first Bioshock. This is a a case of a game that I loved and then ended up liking. Okay, so I'm not saying it's a terrible game before y'all get the pitchforks out. Let me me explain. Let me walk you through this, okay? Um, Obviously, the setting... And the core concept behind this game, the atmosphere of the game, is as good as people have said. I don't really take anything away from that. I I do think in some respects I couldn't tell whether this game was trying to be a horror game or just something else. Because I I never found this game to be particularly scary or unsettling in any kind of way. Um, But again, that could just be me 
um, <clears throat> as I said at the top of the show, I'm, I'm pretty calloused towards a lot of horror elements in games now. So if it was going for being something spookier or more unsettling, it didn't really resonate with me at all. Because I think part of the problem was um, the the look of the game, and particularly animations with characters, uh, the enemies you face look so cartoony at times that it didn't feel intimidating. You know, when you first drop in uh, to Rapture and you see uh, one of the splicers kill somebody else, and it, it, I guess that was supposed to be a scary moment of like, oh, you know, she she just you know, stabbed that guy and now she's jumping on this thing, the bathysphere or whatever, and, and trying to cut me out or whatever. It, it just felt a little hokey. Um, but that's really a minor quip. I think what really kind of turned me off with the game throughout was a couple of things. It was the combat itself to me. I never really liked the combat too much. I didn't like the plasmid and weapon duality. I didn't find that to be particularly enjoyable. And I think it hung its hooks on like, you know, the thing where you can electrocute the ground and you can hit them with a crowbar when they're stunned. And, you know, to me, that became a little bit bland after a while. Uh, I would also say there was a lot of difficulty spikes as you uh, explored that, you know, various parts of Rapture. There were parts of that game where it's like, why is this so fucking... Di- why, are there, why are there four turrets here? You know, like everything was very exploratory and cool and, and uh, you know, unsettling. And then all of a sudden I'm getting pelted from everywhere and you're sending a legion of splices after me. Like, what's going on here? So I think that there was a lot of imbalance in that aspect of the game. Um, I think that the game suffered from one of the story issues I've seen other games have where what's, what's already happened in Rapture is more interesting than what's happening now in, in the, in the present moment, things already went to shit, you know? And so you're there kind of in the aftermath of it and, and, you know, kind of piecing together what happened back then. I would have rather played that game than, than this per se. Um, and then it all leads up to this, um, the, the plot twist, right? The would you kindly plot twist? I think the game hung so much of its of its hat on that plot twist being effective, and, and obviously, in the popular consensus, is that it, it paid off, right? I'm not one of those people. I felt like the the lead up to that plot twist resulted in a story that I felt was very bland and very minimalistic, in a way that I didn't like um, for that game. And then when the reveal happens with you know Andrew Ryan saying what he said, and then you get to the Atlas turns into Fontaine plot twist. Then it suddenly turns into this guy who's like this mustache twirling villain who's just evil for the sake of being evil. And that leads up to one of the worst boss fights I've ever seen in the finale of a game, uh, by far. Um, so I think that it was just a, a culmination of, of these errors, big and small, that kind of knocked the game down a a, a good amount of rungs in the proverbial ladder of quality for me. Um, I don't take anything away from it being a classic game. I don't take anything away from people saying, hey, it's one of my favorite games of all time. That's fine. But I I think that there's a lot of things that even back then in the present moment uh, that I saw that I was like, this doesn't feel right. That story beat didn't go right. And I think I, I, maybe I'm just more critical than most people about that game, but I felt like, um, as a whole, it was a good game, but maybe for me, not the level of greatness that I think other people have given it that, you know, as far as the label goes, but it is on this list. Cause I, I man, when I, for a while there, I was like, this is the shit. And then little by little, it was like the death by a thousand cuts sort of thing. And I'm like, all right, the game's all right. It, it was cool. 
Yeah, I think Bioshock for me is like a tale to uh to a tale to uh I can't even say that frame anymore. I don't even know what I was trying to say. It's a uh, two, yeah, yeah. It's 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 the first half and then everything else. The first half of that game, I think it's effective. I'm one of those that think that would you kindly is effective, cheesy, sure. But I thought like, oh shit, will you kindly? Oh my god, I've been controlled this whole time. Like I just thought it was kind of a smart way of 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 giving you an objective and you doing it because that's what you do in games, and then it actually being you were brainwashed and you, you were it was a trigger uh, word or sentence. I thought that was cool. And then you kill Andrew Ryan and then everything else that happens after that kind of forgettable uh, in, in, in many ways. And then book ends it with kind of um, a terrible boss fight. I, well, the reason it's not on my list is because I am very, I think I was always pretty much vocal about loving the first half of Bioshock and then feeling that that second half was so kind of like, oh, such a missed opportunity. Kind of like my, my, my the same complaints from Mario Odyssey. Uh, but yeah, I, mm-hmm. I I don't think this pick is as crazy as 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 might some people might think. I think it's I think it's fair, honestly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's still a classic game, and I think it represents something really special about where gaming was heading at the time, with being yeah. very narrative driven and stuff like that. But you know, I think, and again, it's not you know like I fired it up and went, oh, this aged poorly. I'm going to add it to my list. It, no, no, no. Even at the time, I felt like there were things about this this game's design philosophy that were a little creaky for me. And uh, yeah. I, I, that's why I had to put it on here. But um, and to be clear, I don't think we did that to any of our games where we've fired right. them up today and thought, "Oh yeah, this game sucks because of age." No, it's the, it's the thought process during the time in which we were actively playing the game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I and I think what we'll do in a future episode, Pablo, I think we we have this plan for next week, unless there's a Nintendo Direct, which was rumored, is we'll do kind of the opposite of this one. Where we'll you know kind of pick a game that we started off kind of maybe judging too harshly then ended up coming around on it and going, wow, this is actually better than I gave it credit for, you know? Yeah. So we'll do the kind of the, uh, the opposite of this uh, next time around, either next episode or, or, or one of the after. future ones coming up. Yeah. But uh, that was a good time. Uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we don't get too much hate mail about it, but you know, as I say, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Um, that is going to do it for this week's show. It's going to do it for uh, Pablo's lungs as well. He has been bleeding me- out. Let me tell you guys uh, something. If you have any complaints <laughs> about Marco's hosting ability, you guys are so wrong. Because I, you, I, you might catch some coughs here, but I was muting the mic for the heavy <laughs> lung, uh, like uh, like I've been smoking pounds of chronic, and Marco just talked right through that. So, Mar- a consummate professional, Marco. Congratulations. His lung was draped over his microphone. He had to grab it, <laughs> stuff it back in his mouth, and let it go back down again. It was, yeah, it, I was, was it was a sight. I man. was I was surprised Marco wasn't like looking at me like, Ugh, and just like destroying his train of thought. It was he did a great job cuz I was coughing up a lung, brothers. And yeah, he was He was the technical mess and black lung of the show. <laughs> black <Pablo>. lung. <laughs> Shout out to Red Dead Redemption 2, which almost made my list. Uh, all right. Ooh, that I'll is fun streets. <laughs> that's going to do it for this week's show. Uh, until next time, please be sure to give our podcast a sub if you enjoyed this. And don't forget to follow us on all the social medias to keep us in your FOV. Uh, thanks for listening. And we will see you next week. Take care. Take care.